Hello and welcome to the B-Movie Podcast, the podcast where we watch B-movies. You know those $5 bin, straight to DVD, who are these actors and why do they make this kind of B-movies? Every week we watch a bad movie. We summarize that for you, we review it, grade it, and then answer the absolutely needless question, is this better or worse than the ultimate B-movie? The B-Movie with Jerry Seinfeld. I'm so excited this week to have a very good friend of mine from college joining me. Please give a big B-Movie welcome to Aaron. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. I'm very glad that we could do this together. And I'm very excited to discuss this train wreck of a film today. Uh, but before we do that, I've got a few announcements that I'd like to make. So first and foremost, I've had some of you talk to me about how uh, maybe one of your listening platforms isn't working or the episodes aren't loading, uh, specifically Google Podcasts. So we are working on that problem. I'm trying to find a solution. I would recommend deleting the app, re-downloading the app. I know you'd lose a lot of downloaded information if you do that. However, I think it might be something to do with your, your searching cache uh, or some Something to do with a Google Podcast beta. Uh, however, I would like to announce that we have also been added on Stitcher. So now the B-Movie Podcast can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher. There are also some other podcast apps uh, like Himalaya and Pocket Casts where you can find us absolutely free. And so uh, with that being said, I want to remind you all of our B-Movie Podcast New Year's resolutions. First and foremost, I would like to have a thousand followers on social media by 2021. That's a thousand on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook each. So please share with your friends. If you see us on social media, please like, comment, retweet, share, do whatever it is you can to get the B-Movie podcast out there. Uh, and second, my goal for 2020 is to release an episode every week. That's my ultimate goal. Uh, and I'm promising you that you will get an episode at least every two weeks. So one episode at least every two weeks. But coming up after this episode, I'm recording uh, two or three more with some friends that we will be working on to release soon. I'm looking very much forward to releasing all those episodes for you. Uh, and today, like I said, I've got Aaron on the show. And uh, Aaron, I just kind of want to take a minute before we dive into our movie, which happens to be The Last Airbender by M. Night Shyamalan. Uh, but before we jump into this train wreck, this awful, awful movie... I just wanted to ask you a few things. So I understand that you are a father for the second time. Is that right? That is correct. I would like to say congratulations to you. Thank uh, you. That's, a, that's a very big thing. Are mom and baby doing well? We're doing great. Doing um, great. The biggest transition was, you know, coming back with another child when we already had one at home. You yes. know, when we came back with the first one, we got to figure it out with giving know our two-year-old now all the attention but she doesn't get all the attention anymore yeah. so it's it's been a big adjustment but things are going really well yay sibling dynamics right <laughs> all, all you younger siblings are you the youngest sibling do you have siblings i have an older sister and a younger brother okay so you're the middle child I'm the middle Ooh, you're you're one of those weird mythological creatures that Let me we tell don't you, understand the, uh, the uh, stereotype for the you know where kids are born in a family whether the oldest middle youngest that's so true in my family i'm like yeah. the stereotypical middle, middle child, child. Yeah. So I'm the youngest. I have an older brother. Uh, Jesse, if you're listening, hello uh, from the B-Movie podcast. Uh, but he's four years older than me. And so we, we were kind of not 
too close growing up. We were close enough, but it was definitely, I'm sure, a different dynamic when my parents came home with a little little baby brother. Well, congratulations uh, to you on that and to your lovely wife, who I hope to see this evening. Uh, additionally, though, you mentioned to me uh, that you listen to the B-Movie podcast because you love the B-Movie, knowing the person who does it, uh, but you also love beekeeping. Is this right? You're interested in beekeeping? I am interested in beekeeping. I just have this, like weird obsession like passion of honeybees in general i don't know i like they're such cool creatures um the idea of beekeeping is is exciting you know i live on a on a summer camp on the property of a summer camp and we have so much land that like it'd be perfect for a a bee sanctuary out here yeah so i i just i got a couple of questions for beekeeping so first off we live in in uh, the midwest where the weather is fickle at best so if you're keeping bees how does that work? Like, if you're cold, they're cold. Bring them all inside. Like, what, what do you what do you do there? Yeah, you just buy uh, you know an extra house and you just shove them in there. No, um, winter beekeeping. You know, I haven't gotten into it. I'm trying to take as much time as I can to to shadow some local beekeepers. I'm reading books. I'm listening to podcasts. I'm watching videos. All kinds of things. You've got a um, lovely uh, beekeeping magazine that I found at the Farm and Fleet for you. Listen to your bees. It says how apt how apt for this podcast. Exactly. But winter beekeeping. Winter beekeeping. So from what I understand, beekeeping in, you know, the Midwest is very challenging because bees are so susceptible to climate change and temperature change. Mm-hmm. Um, winter beekeeping is the number one killer for bees is really? not, not properly sealing them up in the winter. So the biggest thing you have to do is just make sure they're, they're wrapped up properly. Um, I'm sure everybody at some point has seen what a bee box looks like, you know, the, the beehives. Yeah. A lot of people wrap those in some sort of like a very similar to material of like a, an emergency type blanket. Um, okay. It just like retains heat. You put an extra food in there, you seal up the holes so they can't come and go. You can't, you don't have things getting in. So you just have to take care of the box they're in. Exactly. Now see, I thought you might have to buy like a greenhouse, a climate controlled greenhouse greenhouse you know that they could survive the winter in that kind of climate be nice that would be be nice but apparently you don't have to do no no you don't have to do that you Hmm. just have to make sure they're properly insulated and properly sealed up and that they have plenty of food one of the biggest dangers is prematurely opening the boxes when it's when the temperature isn't right for it ideally you want it to be like no less than 60 degrees you can get away with minimal exposure if it's less than that but you know if it's 35 degrees and you're worried about it not being enough food and you open up that box you're going to kill thousands of bees wow they so they just a stiff well. breeze will kill them. It wouldn't do it instantly, but you'd, you'd get a big, big kill in there because the, the bees with their, their wings moving so fast and how many bees are kept in that hive, there's a lot of heat that's hmm. retained in that, that box. I'll be done. Um, and as soon as you open that up, all that heat escapes and it takes so much time to get that back in that a little bit of exposure actually pulls in so much cold air that uh, they have to work extra hard. So it's a lot of exhaustion for the bees. I okay. mean, they, they're little, little creatures. Yeah. Well, according to the laws of aerodynamics, <laughs> a, a bumblebee should not be able to fly. You're right. You're right. Which is another really cool, you know, that, that thing is really bees. cool, it's, right? It's like it just brings back that anomaly of a creation. Like, right. They're they're so cool. Yeah. And they're they're 100% necessary to our our lives as well. And I love how just it they seem so silly. Like we watch the bee movie and we think, "Yeah, man, bees are silly," but like You've seen a bumblebee like take a nap in a flower or get get uh, pollen on its butt or something like that, and they're cute. But like such a a silly little cute thing is so vexing and problematic to science because it says by all rules this thing shouldn't be shouldn't be exactly it just shouldn't exist exactly. And if they don't exist, there it would be detrimental to the the environment. Uh, yes, you know? lots of bad things happen. It's kind of funny. Like I've just been into you know interested in bees probably in the last 
four years, but I spend a lot of my time, you know, studying bees and looking at bees. Like when the weather starts to get nice and I see little honeybees flying around, I'll go like pick it up and like play with it because wow. I think they're cool. Flying stinging insects have this uh, negative connotation to mm-hmm. them. Um, so during the summer, you know, when we're running our summer camp out here and we have, you know, a hundred kids running around and they see flying creature, right. their first instinct is to swat at yeah, it and kill it. on it. Yeah. And I'm constantly like, no, 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 that's a honeybee. Don't, yeah. don't kill that. Don't, don't kill that. It's more scared of you than you are. Exactly. Bitch. But if a wasp lands anywhere near, like you, you best believe I'm swinging. Mm-hmm. Like that's, those things can die. I, well, I don't like wasps, but my general approach to flying stinging insects is if you don't bother them, they won't bother you. So like I've had wasps land near my face and just like, just play it cool. Like they'll land, they'll think, oh, this is a weird big flower and then realize, oh, not a flower. got to get out of here. But if you start swinging, it's going to sting you. Exactly. And, you know, wants to take you down with it. So And something actually a lot of people don't know is the, the bees that, that sting aren't the ones that go out and collect the pollen. The, yeah. As far as honeybees go, they have a completely different job. The ones that sting, hmm. their job is to protect the queen. Security. So usually if you get stung by a honeybee, it's because the bee is lost. Like the, the queen died and the bees are trying to relocate to huh. a new hive. They send, you know, the, the drones or whatever bees that they're sending out to go find the new hive, they get lost or you're too close to a hive. Sure. So usually if you get stung by a honeybee, you're probably in the wrong spot. Oh, they darn. So they're like the bee secret service. Pretty much. Hmm. You, know, you got to protect that queen. Or the Swiss guard. Exactly. Yeah. You got to protect that queen. Well, so as an amateur beekeeper or an aspiring amateur beekeeper, I just have this one burning question. If you've listened to the Bee Movie podcast from its birth, you'll know that in episode 001, we had a very big laugh on how the B-movie represents beekeepers, okay? They are they are <laughs> vile people who are taking advantage of bees, who are just lazy bums, who are just collecting their paychecks from these hard-working bees. How do you feel about the representation of beekeepers in the B-movie? So, as, as somebody who wants to be a beekeeper, like, the representation of beekeepers in that movie... It's humorous because there's truth to it, but it's also, like like you said, it makes beekeepers look like awful people. Right. Like, the fact of the matter is beekeepers are helping repopulate honeybees. Yeah. But it's kind of a dark thing, job that they're doing, you know, sure. collecting all these bees and shoving them in a box. Mm-hmm. And, oh, look, you're making all this great honey. Yeah. Yes, I'll steal it. There, it's it's a very humane way of taking care of bees. Yeah. But you know, it's it's definitely not ideal. Right. But you know, as as far as like the the how they're portrayed, I'm not. I don't like to think I'm a, <laughs> a yeah. mean, rotten, awful person. You do not seem like but... an evil and vile uh, Ted Bundy of beekeepers. So uh, Ted Bundy, Al I Bundy, tell you. Ted Bundy, some Bundy. Al Bundy is the one from Married with Children, right? And Ted Bundy is the serial killer. Sure. If you've watched Married <laughs> with Children and you're listening to the Bee Movie podcast. Podcast, please write in so that we can know which Bundy is the correct Bundy. Well, that's good. I'm, I'm so glad I asked that question. And I, it's really funny that you're interested in beekeeping. I One of these days, when you get your beehive and you're, you're doing things with bees, are you planning on like this summer maybe? Uh, I'm hoping I'm going to spend the spring and the summer shadowing a, a beekeeper that's okay. like around this area. Because there's a, there's a very small window in time to purchase bees and to get your hive going if okay. you want it to be able to, to make it through the winter. Sure. I think I'm going to take this year as the final studying year. It's a very expensive uh startup once you start it you know it pretty much maintains itself but it's anywhere from five to eight hundred dollars just wow. to get it going um and then as you know as your population of bees grow it's relatively cheap to expand sure but i don't want to 
invest a bunch of money in it and then kill everything my first winter and right. then have to invest more money into yeah. it. That's why I've taken so long and just like kind of studying them and watching and I just want to make sure I'm doing it right the yeah. first time. That's a good approach. I mean, like I, I have thought about having a pod. I mean, before we launched the podcast, I had thought about launching a podcast for a very long time, you know, and I took forever to buy microphones, forever to buy equipment. But once you dive in, like it's awesome to see a hobby when you really click and you invest in it and you dive in uh, and then it just starts going because it's so cool to see the growth over time. And so when you get your beehive, I would like to do a special B-movie podcast video field trip to uh, Aaron's Beehive. Maybe if, if we could arrange that somehow. I'd Sounds be interested awesome. In that. Maybe that sounds awesome. Uh, attach a GoPro to your, your to head. To a bee? Oh. Uh, no, not to a bee. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think they make them uh, small enough to a bee. But attach a GoPro to your head maybe when you're in your bee suit. Get a, get a glimpse of the hive. I mean, if anyone out there is uh, interested in, you know, the life of a bee and you have a Nintendo Switch, there is currently a game on sale called The Bee Simulator. Okay, have you played this? I have. Can I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I have. B-Movie Podcast, I don't anticipate a long discussion about this film, so I just, I'm going to take one minute to talk about one more thing, B. So my wife almost bought this for me for Christmas. Yeah. What is the concept of this game? What do you do? You just, you're a bee. You're a bee. You you be a bee. That's it. That's, that's it. That is the bee. So it starts out like, you know, you're assigned a task. Like, you're never going to be the queen because, you know... You're, it takes a very special person to be a queen. You can't um, ever be the. You, you can't, can't work your way up to the queen. You do, you can't just become a queen. Like the queen bees are born as queens, and they you know they grow <laughs> up, and the queens leave the hive, and they go start a new hive. So okay, so you're either, you're you, like honestly like you the the most common role that you play is you're just a. A pollinator. You're you a pollen job. You leave the, the hive and you go searching for some tasty now, flowers. Do you ever come across a florist and fall in love with her? I haven't. I've searched. Okay. I haven't found that yet. All right. You know, <laughs> I just want to relive the ultimate life of a bee. Right. So it's it's one of those games when I was in college, um, and you may have played this game with us. You know, we the Surgeon was it GTA Simulator. 5? No, Surgeon Simulator. <laughs> Surgeon Simulator. Yes, did you ever play that with I, us? It doesn't ring a bell. So it was a game that you were just a surgeon you hmm. know like your job was to operate on people and they'd give you this task that you had to operate on and it was the most difficult thing like you killed people left and right well i'm sure it's it's because you're not a surgeon exactly you know i'm never gonna be a bee right but i can be a bee yeah. through the nintendo switch well i i think i might get that for my, my birthday is coming up at the end of the month january 31st i turn uh 26 and so maybe i'll get that for my birthday there you go um, last i checked over the holidays it was on sale i think it was a dollar 99 you know it's, for the whole it's game a steal for the whole game oh my gosh it's a steal go be a I'll look into that. Uh, you know what my favorite game to play in college was? Using my RA keys to break into your room and stealing your gnome, uh, their, their garden gnome that they bought at a thrift store. And I would sit in my room and I would wait until I heard a shout down the hall that said, Jernome! And then I just smiled on myself. And of course, he'd come looking for me. That Jernome is still uh, proudly displayed on my windowsill. He's still alive. House. He is. Wow. He's proudly displayed on my windowsill. Is it true you have a Jernome tattoo? I do. You do? Actually. Wow. I do have a Jernome tattoo. What a guy. Um, I'm not making him up this is a real person uh yeah he's you know one of my best friends i my wife tried to put was, him away for christmas talking about you oh yeah you're a real person, <laughs> yeah, I am a real person. you're one of your best friends is, is a gla 
grass garden gnome? I'm pretty sure he's porcelain. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, we're not going to discriminate here. Okay. My wife tried to put him away for Christmas, and I said, no, that that stays out. He's family. I actually think one of those times you uh, you captured your gnome. Our rebuttal was uh, we got we bought a wireless doorbell. Oh, you did. And we opened up your heater unit in your yep. dorm room. Yep. And we hid the receiver inside this heater. So random parts of the day, you know, we'd send off that, that ringer. Just I remember this. Just... <laughs> I got so mad. It's one of my I favorite. I couldn't find it. One of my favorite college stories. Like, it, it was a lot of work. We had to play in a lot of time to get that heater open. Wow. When you weren't going to be around. That's so crazy. So. There you have it, folks. A glimpse into my college <laughs> life. But, uh, okay. Centering in on the last era. So for those of you who are unaware, there is a cartoon series called Avatar The Last Airbender, which is heralded as one of the best animated series, if not the best animated series of all time. The depth of characters, the storyline, the animation, it is just fantastic. And Nickelodeon has done a great job. Uh, and they've even got a spin-off series called Legend of Korra. I haven't watched all of that yet, but I've heard that it's it's really good as well. It is. In 2010, I believe, someone at Nickelodeon Studios said, let's make a live action version of this. And we were hyped. We were very hyped. But what came out left a little to be desired. So uh, That's it, being generous about it. Yeah, I, I don't want to go too hard on it because I want to summarize the film as unbiasedly as possible because I, I have a question after our summary. But from what I understand, this is kind of how it works. If you haven't seen the animated series or haven't have no idea about this film, it's called The Last Airbender because there was a 2009 movie or 2008 movie called Avatar with the blue people, which, fun fact, spoiler alert, that is just Pocahontas with aliens. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen this. It's just Pocahontas with aliens. But they called it The Last Airbender, which is the subtitle for the series, which is cool. But it opens, it's about these these people who can manipulate uh, the four elements, earth, water, fire, and air. And so the Fire Nation is trying to take over the world, and there's only the Avatar, who is one individual in all of existence who can master all four elements to bring peace among the spirits and the four nations to live together in harmony. So that's the premise you get on the opening credits roll. Uh, it opens... Well, you, you also get in that premise that currently the Fire Nation is in, like, supreme rule. They're trying yes. to overtake everything. And the, the title of the movie being The Last Airbender, you know, right off the bat says... You know, the avatar that we're focusing this mm -hmm. on is the last airbender. Yes. Um, one thing that it points out pretty early on is that the avatar is born. It goes through a rotation. When one avatar dies, it's born out of the next element in yes. line. So currently, the avatar that's the cent the central focus in this was born as an airbender. Yep. So, you know, the Fire Nation is trying to completely eliminate, you know, all bending so they can be the supreme bender. And that's kind of how everything opens up. Yeah. World domination is basically what they're they're trying for. So it opens up with uh, Soka and Katara uh, out hunting for food, and a glacier ruptures, and they find inside what? So, all right, we got to backtrack a little bit. The first thing that I have to point out is... This movie came after the animated series. Yes. The animated series started in 2005 and ran to 2008. Mm -hmm. So this movie came out two years after that. And it's based directly off of the animated series. Yes. The same company made this movie. Nickelodeon. This yes. is not Nickelodeon sold the rights to another production company. This is Nickelodeon Studios and did I also, this movie. I also believe, let me check here real quick just to make sure. I believe Paramount yes, was Yes, it was Paramount in Pictures okay. in accordance with Nickelodeon yeah. Studios. 
Studios. So it's the exact same company, and they still don't pronounce the names properly. Yes. We will get there. Okay. All right. Uh, but I just, they, they find what right. in the ice? Uh, so they're, they're out searching for food, uh, for food and Soka, as this movie pronounces his name, you kind of find out pretty early that he's kind of a bumbling idiot. Kind of a buffoon. Um. Bit of a rube. And he's trying to track these animal tracks so they can catch their food. Uh, and he does a very poor job of that. Mm -hmm. Um, he says he does it exactly how his father taught him, and his father is out fighting a war, but he doesn't do it properly. So they, they see this glowing orb in the the ice. So, you know, the only common sense thing to do is... Break it open. ...to smash the ice that they're standing on, which... I do a lot of ice fishing. You know, my, my main hobby outside of, you know, beekeeping that I haven't started yet is I, I do a lot of fishing. Are you for serious? Yeah, wow. I do a lot of fishing. Uh, my Instagram page, you know, if you want to follow ice it. Ice fishing? Dad bod fishing. Check it out on Instagram. Huh. Um, but this time of year, it's ice fishing. Knowing something about ice fishing, there is no way they can walk out on that ice and still puncture it as easily as they did with that, that boomerang. Oh, absolutely. You know, if you go out ice fishing, you don't want it to be any thinner than four inches of ice. Mm-hmm. Once it's at four inches of ice, you could drive a small vehicle across it. Aaron, if, it's, if it's less than that... Aaron, I'm going to have to stop you. Oh. Because you're being far too logical. <laughs> and you're being you're being far too realistic about this film. <laughs> you're, uh, right. you're right. I just want you to tell right. me... What they found in the ice. They found this glowing <laughs> glowing orb. And they notice inside this glowing orb that there is a person. A small child. They can see a figure inside this <laughs> this ice. And actually, in this part of the movie, one of my favorite quotes of the whole movie came out. So, Soka has this, his weapon is this boomerang. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it. they call it a boomerang, but it looks more of like a... Almost like a club. Yeah. It's yeah. just like a hooked club, mm-hmm. basically. Katara takes it from Soka... And just takes off sprinting after this orb. And Soka, from the distance, yell, yells, Katara, don't hit that orb! Or don't hit that sphere! Yes. He doesn't move. He doesn't try to stop her. Nope. He just yells from the distance as she just sprints off after it and just blasts this puppy. So it breaks open. It shoots a beam of blue energy into the sky, which is seen by a Fire Nation ship carrying uh, Prince Zuko and Uncle Iro. Uh, and who's searching for the Avatar. And you find out inside is an airbender named Ong and his flying bison named Appa. Uh, and so they find Ong, and Ong is like, yeah, I, I flew in in a storm, and Well, I... he's he's passed out at this point. He won't, yeah. he won't respond. Oh, that's right. He's weak. He's weak. And they take him back to the village. Because, you know, you're weak from being meditating in a sphere for a hundred years. Look, I guess. So, they take him back to the village. The Fire Nation is on their way to this southern water tribe village. Uh, Katara is the only waterbender left. There are... There's... In the southern water tribe. In the Southern Water Tribe. There's very little military presence. So the Fire Nation basically just comes in and says, we saw a blue beam. We're looking for uh, benders. We're looking for someone. And they find Ong in a tent. They take him. uh, And he says, I'll go with you. Leave this village. And so they take him into custody. They find out on the ship that he's the Avatar. Soka and Katara are distraught and say, we cannot let this boy go if he is the Avatar. Gran Gran says, you got to go after him. Creative name there. Creative name. I there's so many thoughts. We well, got we got to get through the know, summary, and we can come come back to right, the cast. All right, all right. Uh, so he's captured by the Fire Nation. Katara and Soka go after him. Ang escapes this vessel and reconnects with them on Appa. So when they're on Appa, where do they go after that? Oh man. 
Appa is kind of made me sad the way that they portrayed Appa. Yeah. So I, why didn't he get more screen time? Right. He was one of my favorite characters in the animated series. Mm-hmm. But um, they get on Appa and they're on their way to the Southern Air Temple. Yes. Where um, Aang, Ang is from. You almost messed up there. I almost you know. Did. Yeah. They're they're on their way to the Southern Air Temple because they say. Ong says early on, like, he wants, he, that's where he's from, he wants to go home, yeah. he's an airbender. He, he shows him that pretty early on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everyone knows that these giant bison that are frozen in ice can fly. Sure. So, let's hop on him and go. And they didn't, they were able to ride Appa without saying yip yip. Every time. Which drives me nuts. Ang, Ong said it once in okay. the entire movie. Okay. He goes yip yip, and that was it. Which, if you haven't seen the animated mm-hmm. series... That's that's how you leave. Yeah, Appa will not leave if you do not say yip yip. They actually play jokes on that. Where yep. where in the animated series, Sokka tries to Soka <laughs> tries to fly Appa, and he just constantly keeps saying, "Let's go, come on, fly, get up," but he doesn't. It takes yip 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 yip. You know, and that's that's a staple in everyday yeah. language now. So yip, yip. they yip yip them themselves to the uh, Southern Air Temple where uh, Ang finds a whole bunch of dead bodies and Katara they're skeletons realizes, at this point. Oh yeah, they're skeletons at this point. And Katara realizes that uh, Ang has been in the ice for more than a hundred years. And the Fire Nation has destroyed all of the airbenders because they knew the Avatar, or I'm sorry, the Avatar would be, and I'm not mocking, that's how they pronounce Avatar in the movie. The Avatar would be born an airbender, so they just killed them all. Uh, except for Ong, who got trapped in the ice when he fled during that storm. So they find out that Ong is the Avatar because he's the only airbender left, uh, and they need to get him to the Northern Water Tribe so he can learn waterbending as the next element in the cycle. So they start heading north, and they come across an Earth Kingdom village that mm-hmm. has been overtaken by Fire Nation soldiers. Uh, and so what do they do when they come across these earthbenders that have been taken captive? So they discover that they're they're in the right place by having a small child run up to them and a group of soldiers chasing him. Yes. And they say the, the small child hides behind this mm-hmm. group of this trio that has appeared. And um, Ong, Soka, and Katara. Also in this, as soon as Appa drops him off, he just like pieces yeah, where out. Where does he go? He, he, he's gone. He never shows up again until they're ready to go. You know. Speaking of which, we saw Momo, the flying lemur, once. Uh, two times. He shows up later as he flies into Ang, lands on his shoulder, and then takes off. That's it. Oh, that was part? that was way later in, like, I think it's as they're showing up in the Northern Water Tribe. Huh. So it's a very, very short it. period of time. Which, but that's, that's originally how Katara realizes he's so old. Because Momo, the flying lemur... They've been extinct for a hundred years. Right. Because they got wiped out in this Fire Nation. Well, apparently there's been... They're not extinct extinct because they find Momo in the ruins. Right. But Momo is not a big part of the show, but he has his moments and... He's like the comedic relief. Yeah, you see him twice. Yeah. So that was disappointing. Yeah. So the small child hides behind this trio Mm -hmm. and the soldiers run up and say, stop, he's under arrest. For what? And Soka says, why? (laughs) My other favorite quote in this, they said, he was bending small stones at us. It really hurt. It really hurt. So they're going to take him to a prison <laughs> camp. Exactly. A hard labor prison camp. Exactly. For, for flinging pebbles at them. So the trio gets arrested because... They're defending him. Katara's, you know, trying to defend, like, what's wrong with bending. She tries to bend water and is very bad at it. Yeah. Very, very bad. Which is disappointing because in the show, Katara is much more competent. Mm-hmm. She's not great. Right. But she's competent and can hold her own for a little bit. She knows, but she's learning in the animated exactly. show. And this exactly. one, it shows that she has an understanding that she can bend, but has no idea what she's doing. Right. 
So they take him to this this prison camp of mm-hmm. Airbenders, which is an or entire of, of village. Earthbenders, my bad. Yes, of Earth Earthbenders. Earthbenders. And Ong basically starts a revolution by saying, "You are benders. The Avatar is back. Now free yourselves." And there is some what some would say a comedic fight between the Firebenders and the Earthbenders. The Earthbenders win and send the Fire Nation soldiers away. The Earthbenders win because it apparently it took an outsider coming in to remind them that they are Earthbenders trapped in a prison made 100% out of Earth. Earth. Right. So, and uh, you know, in that big yeah. speech that Ang gave, he he poses a question of, what would you guys do if the, if the Avatar came back, the, the Avatar, Avatar came back and tried to bring peace to the nations? And they're all like, well, we'd, we'd bend and we'd defend. And he immediately then says, I'm the Avatar. 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 It's it's an immediate reveal. There's yeah. no buildup. There's no questioning. Yeah. And so then they, inside a revolution, kick the Fire Nation soldiers out and begin uh, to free other Earth Kingdom villages as they go north. Now, meanwhile, back at the ranch, there is this commander named Zhao. And Zhao is on a quest to uh, get rid of some of the spirits who give the benders their power. So, uh, in particular, the waterbenders get their power from the moon. So he apparently finds a scroll in the ancient library that's been forgotten. You don't see the library. It's a shame because the library is one of my favorite uh, parts of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it plays a huge role in the show, It really too. does. And don't they have Toph by yeah. book one? Yep, yep, who doesn't even exist in this movie. No, wait a minute. No, book one, are you talking about the show, the animated show? Yeah. Book one is all about discovering, like, his airbending in the Book of Water. Okay, so... So I think it's book two that, that they meet Toph. Well, they use the library as a scapegoat for uh, finding this scroll, which basically says the moon spirit is located in the Northern Water Tribe. And he's going to take it out. He tells Fire Lord Ozai that he is going to take out the Moon Spirit and they're going to wipe out the Waterbenders once and for all. Which, if you're trying to have world domination, getting rid of the other benders is how you do that. So Zhao is hot on their trail trying to find the Avatar. And it's kind of a race to the Northern Water Tribe. Meanwhile, as well, Prince Zuko needs to capture the Avatar and bring him home to regain his honor because he spoke out during a war meeting to a general. His father challenged him to a duel, which is an Agni Kai. It's a firebending duel. Uh, and then showed no mercy, even though his son begged for it and burned half of his face, which in the animated series, it looks like a large port wine birthmark mm-hmm. uh, starting around his eye all the way back to his ear. I don't he know. even has his head shaved so far back because yes. he can't grow hair Because there. he can't grow hair there. Uh, and I imagine it's got to be somewhat painful. In the movie though it looks like an animal scratched him mm-hmm. just like, a little scar under his eye yeah a scar under his eye and then kind of some scratches in his hair but you have to be at the right camera angle to even right. notice that like when, when you first, first see him you're you're like i think this is zuko, zuko right but you're, you're supposed to be able to recognize zuko because mm-hmm. of that burn yeah but in the the movie that is not not sure not why. as obvious but at all. prince zuko needs to capture the avatar so that he can regain his honor at home because the fire lord will only give him his honor back and welcome into the family if uh, he captures the avatar so ang soka and katara are trying to get to the northern water tribe to uh, learn waterbending. Zhao is trying to get to the Northern Water Tribe so he can take out the Moon Spirit and destroy the waterbenders. Zuko is trying to catch up to the Avatar so he can bag him and tag him and take him home. Uh, while they're up front, Ang notices that they find a scroll from the Earth Kingdom benders of waterbending 
and Katar is teaching Ong to waterbend. Which but apparently was kept in this Earthbender prison that nobody opened until prior to this. Yeah, the Fire Nation is out. So I guess it makes sense in the show that they have kind of this side plot with some pirates that they stole it from, but that's just too much for the film. And they've got to put one season in this entire hour and a half, hour 45 film. I get it. So they find the scroll. She's trying to teach him. But he can't focus, right? Because he's too emotional about losing his people. And so he notices that they're close to the northern air temple. And so he says, if I could just go to the other air temple and check it out, maybe it would help me understand what I'm supposed to do. So he goes and finds an old Earth Kingdom man uh, who says, I want to show you these statues of all of your previous incarnations as the Avatar. Which, when they said that, I got really excited about right? because that is an incredible scene in the it animated is. series. It is. And they, they revisit that multiple times, uh-huh. that same place. But Ong comes in and the Earth Kingdom guy says, you know, when you disappeared, I began to live my life in poverty. So I hope you can forgive what I am about to do. And he pulls out a knife and suddenly all of these archers and Fire Nation soldiers come out of the woodwork to capture Ong. And so you find out Commander Zhao has taken Ong prisoner in this air temple. Uh, and, you know, they're going to continue on to the Northern Water Tribe and claim their victory. So what happens to Ong? Ong is separated from the group. He's captured. He's got to get to the Northern Water Tribe. How does he get out of this? Yeah, he's captured. This is the third time that they've had him in some sort of captivity mm-hmm. at some point. They had him when they very first discovered he was the Avatar yes. on the ship. Somebody had him. Somebody from the Fire Nation had him. Yes. They had the, They had him in prison at the uh, the Earth Kingdom. And now this is a third time. And they've realized that the only way to stop a bender from bending is to shackle them, arms and legs, suspended in the air. So, you know, you look at it and think like, yeah, there's no way you're getting out of this. No. Not without a little help from our friends. There we go. Um, we all get, a, get by with a little, a little help, help from, from our, our friends. friends. Yes. There's this scene of these these big, almost like tank-looking machines yes. coming into uh, the Northern Air Temple. And it shows this clip of this head, this creature-looking mm-hmm. head, pop down from underneath this vehicle. Turns out that that person is there to help Ong. Uh, it's a mask that is blue. It's a snarling face, a nicknamed the Blue Spirit. Because apparently all the spirits in this have some sort of actual form. Sure. <laughs> you know, they're I not guess. just spirits. They're something. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it either. The tanks, I think, are coming in because Commander Zhao is holding some kind of rally. And he's, mm-hmm. he's going to give an impassioned speech to all of his troops about how they've captured the Avatar. They're going to take over the Water Tribe. Victory is there. And while all of them are at the rally, there's only two guards watching the Avatar, and the Blue Spirit fights them, shackles them up, and then releases the Avatar, and they get out. And releases the Avatar very comedically. Apparently these steel blades that he has are plenty strong enough to just, like, tap through these steel chains, and he's free. If you notice in the film, they do the the chains on his arms Uh and the shackles on his hands. What, What about his feet? They just completely missed that. They never huh. cut those off. He never cut them off his feet. But the next scene shows him running with this blue spirit. I'll be darned. Like, just taken off with him. But, you know, magic well, there, blades. There's a, a, well, magic feet, I guess. That too. He, did he just slip out of them or what? You would think if he could slip out of them, then he there was nothing holding him in right. when he was suspended in the air. That's weird. Yeah. Well, so him and the blue spirit run out into the courtyard. Uh, Zhao realizes the avatar is gone. There's a massive manhunt. And they have to kind of fight their way through a big crowd. Ang does some really cool stuff with this little practice circle where the airbenders would practice. 
That's kind of cool. The Blue Spirit is just fighting with his blades, and he's really good at hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. They kind of hold their own, and then Ong... It's very apparent in this scene that they, the, the Blue Spirit is not a bender. Because yes. if he was, he would be using it. Exactly. So then Ong gets his glider, and he's going to airbend his way out of there and just fly into the night. But he can't bring himself to leave the Blue Spirit behind. And so he goes back, helps the Blue Spirit get away. Zhao lets them cross the bridge... And then shoots the blue spirit with this pinpoint accuracy archer. It hits the mask of the blue spirit. And you realize that it is none other than... Prince Zuko! Now, Aaron, why would Prince Zuko let the Avatar free? So, earlier in the film, you start to realize that Prince Zuko and this uh, this commander, they are not friends. Because Zuko's trying to regain his honor, come back to the Fire Nation. Um, that is not the agenda for this commander. Mm-hmm. So if Zuko wants his honor back, he can't let some guy yes. bring back the avatar. He has to bring back the avatar. It, it makes sense once you realize it's Zuko because he would know his way around the Fire Nation, the, right. the Fire Nation camp, to get Ong out, and then it's up to him to return Ong. And he can't bend while freeing him because then it would be a telltale sign that he's someone who is already known by the Fire Nation. And if Zhao thought about it long enough, he could put two and two together that it was Zuko. Which later on, he claims to just have known. Right. And I'm like, Zhao, you didn't know. Nope. You didn't know. So the Avatar takes Zuko and flees with him. And there's supposed to be this scene where Zuko is waking up on the ground next to a stream... And Ong is sitting in a tree branch. We get that. That's mm-hmm. the shot. And it's supposed to be Zuko comes to and Ong thanks him for saving him and then says, you know, if we were in different lives, we could have been friends. And then Zuko attacks him and Ong gets away. Nope. In the movie, Ong is sitting in the tree branch. Zuko comes to. Ong flies away without a word. That's a big line in the animated series. That's a series. huge scene in like, the animated series. In the in- in the animated series, this scene is later on. Uh-huh. So you're spending all of this time watching Zuko give everything he has trying to capture this avatar. And then trying he, to set him free. Yeah. It, 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 the You know Zuko's number one goal is to regain his honor. You and get, you, he, he comes off as the bad guy. Uh-huh. But that's the, one, the, the first scene in the animated series where you see a glimpse of, there's a reason I've liked this guy. Yes. And there's this inner turmoil that he has Mm -hmm. but you just don't get that in this Mm -hmm. film so Ang runs away Zuko rejoins his uncle Iro and then Ang and Katara and Sokka travel north to the Northern Water Tribe in that return to Uncle Iro there was a big scene that happened there as well yes because he gets on the ship yep he comes back and Iro realizes he looks exhausted he's beat up he's bloody Uh he's tired so he tells him to go into the ship well somebody had tampered with the ship and um, Rigged Zuko, it to blow. Yep. Zuko realized that there was a gas leak and a Fire Nation ship. It's going to go boom. And you get this sense that he's in there. He tries to escape. The ship blows up and Zuko died. That's what they lead you to yes. believe. So Iro is mournful, but he joins Zhao on his trip up to the Northern Water Tribe. Being that they're on a flying bison, Ang, Soka, and Katara beat the Fire Nation to the Northern Water Tribe by just days, if not weeks. And then they begin to train with Master Paku. Uh, and so Katara is learning uh, waterbending. Ang is learning waterbending. Again, a scene I wish we would have seen uh, in the movie is that Paku originally refuses to train Katara 
because women are healers and Katara is a woman. So she wants she, to be a warrior. Yeah, she can't be a warrior because she's a woman. Well, she ends up proving Paku wrong, like bests him in a duel or something, or shows really impressive waterbending skills. And then he agrees to take her on as a apprentice. Nope, we don't get that. He's just training Katara and Ang in the ways of waterbending. And they realize that the Fire Nation is coming. Mm-hmm. And it's and they, they realize the Fire Nation is, is coming because there is this snowfall that's mm-hmm. actually soot. Yeah, it's ash. Um, ash, yes. Yeah. Imagine a world where global warming and environmentalism didn't exist, and you have these giant fire-powered ships sailing yeah. all over the place. And they're, it's, it's Just crazy. with trails and trails yep. of ash. So, very crazy. And Yue, who is the princess who's leading the people, notices this ash. Soka has taken a liking to Yue. You realize that Yue has been uh, touched by the moon spirit. As a child, she came out. She was unawake. She was alive, but she would not open her eyes. Her parents dipped her in the sacred waters. The moon spirit gave her life. And so that's kind of a, a shoehorn plot point. But that's going to be important in a little bit. Yeah. Because they're training. Zhao attacks. Zuko gets in uh, and finds the Avatar as he's meditating in the sacred place where these two koi, a black koi and a white koi. So the black koi has a white spot. The white koi has a black spot. And they're circling each other like yin and yang. Mm -hmm. And they actually make a reference to that. They actually make a reference to that, which I thought was great. I Mm -hmm. like that they kept that line in. Uncle Iro is the one who talks about that. Uh, But Zuko kidnaps the Avatar. Something to mention about Uncle Iro is he, even though he's part of the water, or the the Fire Nation. Yes. He's not a bad guy. No. You know, he's very in touch with unity and the spirits. He makes a comment how it would be a dream of his to to see a spirit. Uh Uh-huh. And he is then told, well, hopefully I can make that happen today. Yeah, and Zhao makes it clear that he's going to kill the moon spirit. And Iro says that would throw the world into untold chaos. Mm -hmm. And later on in the series, you find out that Uncle Iro actually wants the Avatar to bring peace. Mm -hmm. Because he's so tired of war. He's a Mm -hmm. quote-unquote disgraced general. Because he could not capture the Earth Kingdom of Ba Sing Se. Um, but Iro is easily the best character in the entire mm-hmm. series. Mm-hmm. And it's such a shame we don't get more of him in the yep. film. You start to get a glimpse of the same type of character with his wisdom and yes. his obsession of tea. And I think the actor did okay. Mm-hmm. Although I I don't think he looked like Iro. In the, the movie, it's he's way more of a hippie than like the big, yeah. like jolly, like I'm gonna laugh and put put the joy in the situation exactly. kind like of thing. Like a fun uncle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fun so, yeah. Zuko kidnaps Ong and takes him away while he's in a deep meditative state. Zhao gets into the sacred place and kills the moon spirit. He has an inner battle with himself, he deciding does. if he wants to do that, but because ultimately stabs it. Yeah, he's got the moon spirit in a bag, it's one of the koi's. And Iro is begging him, don't do this, but he says, we are the gods now, which I thought that was a really good line, because it was clearly like a war with the spirits Mm -hmm. who are trying to hold the world in balance, Mm -hmm. and the Avatar is trying to help the spirits hold the world in balance, so he stabs it, and the moon turns red, and all the waterbenders lose their power. And you also see this crazy surge of power coming out of Uncle Iro. The thing with all of the bending throughout the series and throughout the movie... Well, not throughout the series... You're right. You're right. Throughout the movie, they make comments about your own, you can only bend when that element is present to you. You can't yes. bend water when there's no water. Yeah. You can't bend fire when there's nothing burning. So, and it even shows in the, the movie, just a couple minutes before this, when Zuko's trying to take the Avatar, 
he brings a torch in yeah, so to he this has cave. Fire. Um, and he actually drops it on the ground to light a couple different places on the ground mm-hmm. so he has access to this fire yeah. more than just his torch. But in this crazy surge of power from Uncle Iro, he creates fire out of nothing. It just appears on his it's hands. It's his own chi. It's his chi. And he yep. mentions that later on to Zuko. Or, yep. or earlier, he mentions the idea of chi to Zuko. Can keep you warm. Yes. Yes. So in the, the series, Uncle Iro is pretty much the only person that knows that this exists. Right. And in the series, Uncle Iroh, his name is Iroh yeah. in the series, Uncle is the most powerful firebender. Mm-hmm. Hands down. Keeps it hidden very Keeps well. Keeps it hidden. You think he's just kind of a, just a crabby old tea-loving man. He's not mm-hmm. crabby, but this jolly tea-loving man. And he's really the dragon of the West. Yeah. And he earns that title. Which, when it comes to the battle of the Bossing Say, mm-hmm. you realize that he had everything, every tool he needed to take down that kingdom. Right. But he knew that that wasn't what his role in the world, that wasn't his yep. destiny. His and destiny when, was to maintain, help maintain that balance. And when his son died... He realized that this endless war was for nothing, and he lost his son for cruelty and hatred, and he vowed to not live that life ever again. So, so he kind of goes on the run with Zuko. Yeah, um, he's he's kind of he becomes the guardian of keeping Zuko. an eye on his yeah. nephew, quote unquote. But like you mentioned, like you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, he's he's almost banished as well. You right. know, he's disgraced. He, people he, make fun of him. He he's could a joke. return. It's not that he was banished, but I mean, he's really kind of best friends with the banished prince. Mm-hmm. So kind of see, puts himself in a role of a father figure. Yeah, we're we're on a long diatribe about Iro, but long story short, Iro starts kicking some butt. Zhao attacks the city while the waterbenders do not have access to bending. The firebenders are just running the place over with these big giant fire lizards that fire, apparently yeah, exist. Fire lizards, these big submarine tanks that are drilling holes into the ice wall to let them in. They're capturing people and everything. Meanwhile. Uh, Ong wakes up and fights Zuko. Kataro finds Ong and captures Zuko encased in ice so that Ong can get away and help with the fighting. In the sacred place, Iro, Yue, and Soka uh, are all trying to figure out what to do about the moon spirit. It's dead and it needs life. And so Iro says, you've been touched by the moon spirit, haven't you, Yue? And she says, yes, when I was a child, it gave me life. And Iro kind of puts a hand on her shoulder and says, you can return that life if you so choose. Uh, and she goes, you think it'll work? And he says, it's your decision. And Soka's bent up about it because he loves Yue. Uh, but Yue kind of dips herself into the pool. You see her hair flash and gleam. And then you see the koi come back to life as the moon. The one part I didn't like is in the series when this happens and Yue gives her life to the moon, she becomes the moon spirit. Mm-hmm. So her body just disappears entirely. In in the movie, her body doesn't disappear, her hair glows, and then the koi comes up, and she's dead. And the hair turns back to normal hair. Normal hair. But they have to go retrieve her out of the pool of water. I I don't know why, cinematically, M. Night Shyamalan chose to do that, but... She did mention that her spirit would no longer be, you know, her spirit would no longer be with her body. Yeah. So she did mention that that's how it would go. But I don't know but, why they couldn't right. just made her all glow right. and then just disappear and right. have the fish swim to life. Because right. that would have been the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the moon spirit comes back. Uh, Yue gives her life. The waterbenders start fighting against the firebenders again. Ang gets in touch with his emotions on the wall, which mm-hmm. I thought was weird. It was very weird. Because in the show, it's kind of his rage at what the Fire Nation is doing that mm-hmm. sends him into the Avatar state. But then in the movie... Which, that's something in the show that he has to learn how to control. Right. It's a very... He's super powerful yes. like that. 
But that never shows up at all in the nope. movie. Well, it does. It, it does, and they take him out of it at the very beginning, yeah. and they take him out of it, mm-hmm. and they he never taps into that again. But in the Until show, the end. he tra- he has to learn how to control that, yeah, how to tap into it whenever he he can. Well, and whenever he's in a pinch, mm-hmm. like it's his it's his ace in the hole, the Avatar state. Mm-hmm. But if you die in the Avatar state, you die forever. Right. The Avatar cannot be reincarnated if he dies in the Avatar state. Uh, he ends up getting in touch with his emotions because Master Paku said, the water is what heals us. Mm-hmm. And he's like, my friends, my family, I'm mm-hmm. so sad. And apparently the dragon spirit tells him, you are the Avatar. You cannot hurt people. Right. And he also tells him to use the ocean. Yeah. So what's he supposed to do? Right. In the show, he becomes this giant, like, almost like a sloth looking thing, mm-hmm. but like super, super, like, uh, intimidating. Right. And he starts, like, slashing at the Fire Nation mm-hmm. and, and, like, turning over their ships and sending them mm-hmm. to the bottom of the ocean. No. In the movie, he stands on the wall, summons a giant tidal wave. The Fire Nation is like, yo, look at this wave. We better get out of here before we capsize you and know, die. Water and fire don't mix. No. So. But then the Fire Nation just turns around and then he puts the wave back down. Mm-hmm. And it's like, good riddance. Right. They don't drown or nothing. Right. Now, Zhao drowns because he encounters four waterbenders on the bridge, mm-hmm. and they trap him in a water bubble, and they drown him, mm-hmm. which I thought was a fitting end for Zhao. I agree. One thing that I really liked about like a big separation between the, the show and the movie is in the show, the show is a, it's a children's show. Yes. It is on Nickelodeon. It's meant for kids. Mm-hmm. It's very entertaining. There is you, They do the bending and the fighting. But there's no violence in that. Like, no. nobody dies. Nobody, right. you know, usually it, it turns into one group best another and they yeah. turn around and run away. Or they're captured. Yes, or they're know, captured. And set to trial yep. or whatever. But nobody, you, nobody dies. There's yes. no blood. There's no cuts. You know, it's it's clean yeah. for a kid's movie. This, they don't straight out say that you drown. But, yeah. like, it's very obvious that that's what happens. Oh, yeah, because he, he he's, like, grasping and struggling in this bubble of water, and then they let him go, and he just falls to the bridge and doesn't move. Yep. So Zhao dies. They it brings turn... more realism into the fantasy world yeah. as far as the movie yeah. goes. Well, and, I mean, that would be a way to end someone's life mm-hmm. if you were a waterbender. Exactly. Just drown them. Yep. Uh, and then Aang attacks the fleet, quote-unquote. They leave. And then you see at the end credits, before the end credits... Fire Lord Ozai declares that the Avatar cannot learn earthbending and firebending and tasks his oldest daughter, Azula, which is kind of... The only uh, other sibling to Zuko. To Zuko, yes. But Azula's crazy, and you kind of get this crazy face because he says, Azula makes sure he doesn't learn the other two elements, and she goes, oh, I will, Father. Mm-hmm. I will. And then roll credits. Mm-hmm. Now... And this movie has now been 10 years that it's been out. Yes. So, and we're, we're kind of running a little, you know, that wasn't a long summary. We talked a little before, but mm-hmm. that's the movie. Okay. Right, wrong, or indifferent, we've summarized the film. Now, let's move on to the buzz. But the one thing I want to bring up that we've mentioned dozens of times now is why did they not stick to the source material? They had it black and white. They had... They based it, like we said before, directly off the animated mm-hmm. series. Character names, the the places that they would travel in the right. same sequence. Why not use the proper pronunciation, or the not necessarily proper, the same pronunciation of names? Okay, we're going to get to that. So, the big twist at the end of this M. Night Shyamalan film, you know how M. Night Shyamalan films have big reveals at the end of them? Right. 
So if you've ever seen uh, the Sixth Sense, okay, you know, have you seen Sixth Sense? I have not, but I use their fishing gear. Okay, well, do you know the phrase, I see dead people? Yes. Okay, that's the big reveal at the end of the Sixth Sense. Okay. The big reveal at the end of Avatar The Last Airbender is that M. Night Shyamalan wrote, produced, and directed it. Right. That's the big, that's the big twist. Because right. he watched the show, I read this today, his daughter wanted to be Katara for Halloween, and he got really interested in the show. Watched it with his family. M. Night Shyamalan watched the show. He's seen it's, the source material. And it's not some, like, it's M. Night Shyamalan. It's not some random Joe off the right. street that wants to turn this into a movie. And so he he says this would be a really great film. Uh, he, it, they were going to do a trilogy, one for each book of air, water, and earth. No, water, earth, and fire. Water, earth, and fire. Water, earth, and fire. And he was like, we can make three movies out of this. And and Nickelodeon was glad to have him on. I think he's a good director. He's had some really big hits. Sixth Sense, The Village. Uh, he did that one called The Devil, or Devil, which is with the elevator. I, I didn't see it. I don't like scary movies. But he's done a lot of good movies. But he just decided to take it in a new direction. He had to composite some characters. He had to fill in a lot of things. But it just all falls flat. And uh, the one thing that we noticed while watching this is this movie is all of the best moments from the season of the show mm -hmm. with absolutely none of the emotional investment. Exactly. That was one thing that I was going to mention, you know, now that we're into the, the buzz section. Yep. Um, the biggest takeaway I had from all of this is time doesn't exist in this right. movie. It's a whole bunch of mini clips of things thrown together to call it a movie because it yep. crests that hour and a half time frame. Something I have down here on my notes for the, the time being irrelevant. From the time they found Ong in the ice, that big blue light came up. The next scene was the Fire Nation showing up. Yeah. Were they just chilling in the Southern Water Tribe? Right. No, they weren't. But you don't get a sense of how long Ong is there. No. Once they leave that, you don't get a sense of how long it takes to get to the, the air yeah. temple. How long and is in, he on the ship? Right. How long does it take to get to the mm -hmm. Earth Kingdom village? In the, the animated series, that's when you really start to understand who the characters yes, are that's those, all the character development those downtime travel periods is when the most character development happens mm -hmm. and it's when you have those memorable moments of katara realizes it finds out early on that ang as they call him in the animated series mm -hmm. is the the avatar she tries to take it on herself to teach him waterbending right because she knows that is a huge character development yeah. there's there's this relationship that's built between katara and ang of it's almost like a romantic relationship, mm -hmm. but she also knows that she has to protect him, and he's right. the Avatar, and even though he's 12, he's actually 112. over 112, and it's like, but she knows that it's one of her duties, since she is an air, or a waterbender traveling with the the Avatar, to teach him that. Mm -hmm. And, like, that, that character relationship yeah. carries on throughout the entire show. And there's a lot of development with Sokka, which that's how he's pronounced in the show. This is why we're bemoaning all these pronunciations in the film, because it's the Avatar, it's Aang... It's Sokka, Katara. It's freaking uh, Aang, not Zuko. Um. It's also Iroh, Uncle Iroh. But with uh, Sokka, he becomes kind of a tactician. Mm -hmm. He becomes a travel coordinator. Yep. He you is not a bender. So no. out of this trio that's traveling, he he has to find his place. Right. And Katara is the waterbender. Aang is the avatar, the airbender. Sokka has to have something. Yeah, he has maps and travel plans and plans. 
And you just don't get that in this movie. Mm-hmm. Additionally, you don't get the, the relationship between Uncle Iroh and Prince Zuko. You don't get the character development of Prince Zuko as, as in-depth as you do in the show. Mm-hmm. So it's just a mess. So it it my wife said it this way. She said, make sure to remind the audience that this movie has less emotional depth than a potato. <laughs> because there's no emotional buy-in in the right. whole thing. You're right. just watching these characters do this with bad dialogue yep. and action scenes. There's parts in the, the series where you start to get concerned on, on fight scenes. Right. In the movie, it's like, eh, I, if this person dies, like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Like, and if you don't see the animated series, you have no ties to any characters. Right. And in the um, Earth Kingdom and prison camp, really, it, it kind of takes a turn. You just don't get that emotional investment in the show. You, you don't get that Ang or Ang wants to be a pacifist and bring peace, mm-hmm. but he is willing to protect the ones he loves mm-hmm. and and deal out destruction if he has to. Absolutely. But it's a last resort, and mm-hmm. you just don't get that in the, in the movie. But my wife also said it was honestly felt awkward to watch because it both felt too slow and too fast. Exactly. It was too slow because you didn't have the character development and too fast because they went from place to place to place to place to place. And it's just like, what happened here? And even like jumping ahead towards like when they're at the Northern Water Tribe, you know, we'll, we'll come back. Yeah. But at the Northern Water Tribe, it's not easy to learn bending. No. You get that in the animated series. Like yeah. it's not easy. But he shows up at the, the Water Tribe. He talks to the person that's going to train him because you, you have a couple flashbacks of you go to each of these, the the prime of these elements to learn from the master of these elements. Right. So you can master those, those elements yourself as right. the Avatar. But it's, he shows up there, he, can, he says, I need you to teach me. The guy says, let's do it. And the next scene is him in a duel with this master of, of waterbending. And the master says, Ang, you haven't sparred in a while. How long is a while? Right. How long have you been there? Right. In the show, it's like weeks, if not a, a month or so. Because mm-hmm. it takes time. It does. You're learning something brand new. And you just don't get any of that struggle. You just mm-hmm. don't get any of that development. It's lacking. Mm-hmm. It's somehow so fast of a plot and also lacking so much. Right. And some of the acting is just over the top. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of dialogue. They don't show you in this film. They tell you. Yeah. They, they tell you all of the pertinent details. Mm-hmm. So they say... And they do it all in an extreme close-up of the people's face. Yes. I don't know if you noticed that. Why are Everything so is like It's like eyebrows to, to bottom of your bottom lip. Yep. Everything. Yep. Forehead. Like, not even forehead to chin. Yeah. We're talking like eyebrows to lip. Yeah. And it's so Anytime weird. there was a, a direct dialogue between multiple characters. Right. If it was like a, you know, a big group that they were speaking to, obviously it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. But dialogue between characters is like, what What are you doing with all of this close-up? Right. I don't understand it. So uh, you, you talked on something. You said, why are there so many mispronunciations? So this is what gets me. M. Night Shyamalan said he wanted to have a more Asian influence. And in Asia, they would supposedly pronounce these names and vowels in this way, okay? So, I get it. You want to have a more Asian influence. Aaron, let me ask you this. What's a great way to have an Asian influence in a film besides pronouncing the names that way? Scenery is a huge thing. Okay, scenery. All right, what else would go a long way? Language. Language. How about casting? Yeah. How about casting actual Asian people or... Uh, oriental people mm-hmm. to play these roles of Asian and Oriental people. Right. Not just changing the pronunciation. No! Right. So every character get They this. tried with Aang with the, in the movie. They tried. Did they? 
Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he he definitely had like more of a more of a feel of being like yeah, when you saw most of the characters, it was like they're they're all coming from the same uh-huh. region. Yeah. But Ong, like to me, I it more came from this guy looks like he's from a different mm-hmm. time period, mm-hmm. not necessarily from a different part of the, so the area. Would you say that the um, actor they got for Ong? was a good he looked like the avatar in the in the the show you can take any child and shave their head and he looks like not really Aang but he, he looks like ang i think he, he resembles does. him and the yeah. big part is like the the big eyes and the big uh-huh. the, the smile we're going to come back to that okay. because that was a casting decision all right based on his appearance so get this every main character is played by a white or non-asian uh, character mm-hmm. or person. Mm-hmm. So uh, let me let me just go down the list. So Noah Ringer, who plays Ang, is from Texas. Okay, yeehaw. Dev Patel as Prince Zuko, who was also in Slumdog Millionaire, is Indian. Uh, Nicola Peltz as Katara is from Southern California. Jackson Rathbone, who plays Sokka, who also plays Jasper in the Twilight Saga, he's white. Uh, he's American. Iro or Eero is Iranian. And did you know that the man who plays Eero also plays Jensen in Iron Man 1 and 3? All right, I didn't know that. So the guy who okay. helps Tony Stark in the cave mm-hmm. as he's imprisoned, that's Uncle Eero. Really? Yeah, didn't know that. I didn't either. Uh, his name is Sean Tobe. Uh, so then uh, Admiral Zhao. Zhao is played by a British-American Indian man. Uh, Zuko is also a British-Indian uh, man. Katara is American. Yue is Mexican-Italian-American. And Azula, uh, who is played by Summer Bichil, who is also playing Margot in the sci-fi series The Magicians, if you watch that. Okay. She happens to be from Pasadena, California. Okay. She's from Pasadena, California. And I think there's some ethnicity there, but she's not Asian. Right. Do you know who is Asian? The extras. They have actual Inuits playing in the water tribe right and they i mean also everyone that was a, a background character in the earth kingdom asian everybody asian fire nation full of asians yeah okay as it should be right in the show they weren't white in the they animated were... show the fire nation it seemed like in the animated show they took different elements and they kind of tried to base those off of different country different yeah. ethnicities right and fire nation was was asian yeah like china yeah like yeah. The, like the like the jing dynasty or right. something like that uh, but no, in this, it was a complete whitewashing of casting. And it was awful. Uh-huh. And it, how do you want to make it more ethnically correct with the pronunciations and then completely swing and miss right. on the casting? Right. I don't get it. Right. I don't. And so here's what gets me. Shyamalan, when Peltz, uh, when Nicola Peltz auditioned as Katara, he said, I won't make this movie without her playing Katara. For some reason. I don't understand why. Do you know who he wanted to play as Zuko? No idea. Jesse McCartney. <laughs> All right. Jesse McCartney to play Zuko. All right. Uh, so so that would be even farther off from even farther off. what he already did. So here's what gets me. He cast Noah Ringer uh, for the role because this is the story. All right. Let me just read this. Ringer began practicing Taekwondo, the martial art and national sport of Korea, at age 10. His skills later garnered accolades, including the title American Taekwondo Taekwondo Association, Texas State Champion. He began shaving his head during martial arts, training to help cool off, which gave him the nickname Avatar due to his resemblance to Aang from the animated series. 
When he heard about the film adaptation, he made an audition tape with his instructor and sent it to the filmmakers. He hadn't worked on a film before, but his resemblance to Aang, enhanced by painting a blue arrow on his already shaved head, swung him the role. Having not acted before, he was required to attend acting school a month before filming commenced. Yep. And even talking about that, like, why did they go with all these goofy-looking tattoos in the shape of arrows on him? Why wasn't show? it just an like, arrow? the blue arrow. And along with that blue arrow, I don't know if you picked up on this. I definitely noticed it. In the animated series, when he's about to enter the Avatar state, or he's taking time to meditate, what does Aang do? He mm-hmm. uh, sits down in a pose and connects all of his arrows. Connects his arrows together. Yep. And the arrows... Glow. Yep. They they go from blue to with, white. Along with his eyes. In this series, he did this like weird like double circle interlocking yeah. his fingers. The whole idea with the arrows is you're you're connecting every part of you. The mm-hmm. arrows meet. Right. It's no longer lines that extend out. It completes the circle. Right. But no, let's just leave that big detail out yeah. of this movie. I don't know. So there's all sorts of problems with the casting. There's all sorts of problems with the dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of problems not staying true to the source material. There's also all sorts of problems with the special effects. Oh, yeah. I do not... So in the show, when you bend an element, you basically move your arm in the way that you want the elements to go. Mm-hmm. And simultaneously, mm-hmm. it moves with you. Mm-hmm. So if you're bending earth... And you kind of, you know, and there's different styles, but if you lifted, the rock would just lift. Mm-hmm. In the if you movie, push it, if pushes. you push it, pushes. With water, it's more fluid. Mm-hmm. With air, it's it's kind of got this fluid feel to it mm-hmm. as well. With fire, it's kind of intense and sharp. Uh-huh. But every time you move your hands or your feet, it mo- the element moves with you. Right. In the movie... You have to do like a 10 second yep. routine. Dance. It's like yeah. a choreographed dance. And then the element moves as you want it, it to move. It does the one thing. Like this is one of the things I picked up on. When they're in the prison in the Earth Kingdom uh-huh. and they're starting to rebel against Fire Nation, there's a group of nine vendors that start to dance <laughs> and move around and shake and they do this big dance. One rock. One rock. Boop. Moves. Boom. Not zooms. No. It, it just... slowly moves across screen. Yep. And when we were one watching rock, this, and it's not a giant boulder, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's an above average size stone, right? But I could have lifted it. I could have jumped out of the way of that. I don't yeah. need to bend to protect well, myself. Well, that's the thing. So in in the movie, bending is so slow. I could just move out of the way. Mm-hmm. Like if I had a sword, you would have been down. You would have right. been dead. And apparently, those swords can block fire bending too. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. But, but um, uh, also with that bending, firebenders should absolutely destroy everybody else because they they can do the you know kick and a fireball throws out. They can throw a fireball. Mm-hmm. If you're earth bending, water bending, air bending, you do this big elaborate dance for this Such one thing to show dance. up. It's like just just do it. I don't understand, and I don't know if that was the special effects department had a hard time mimicking the elements. I know they had a hard time generating Momo. Mm-hmm. Remember when Momo jumps on his shoulder, the the he, the lemur? He doesn't even pet it. No, he moves his hand in the approximate area mm-hmm. where the lemur should be, yep. but they couldn't even make it look like he was petting it. Right, right. Which was, which was dumb. And something they tried to do, this happened a lot when they were in the Battle of the Northern Water Tribe. They tried to show how awesome these graphics of the element bending was right? by slow motion. Right. Did you see how many slow motions there were? Yeah. Let's slow motion this big water 
whip show up and then fast motion till it hits and then slow down right as it hits them and then you know speed up as it goes past and then slow motion as it breaks apart if you did it right would look really cool yeah but as it is in this film it just looks bad it was cheesy yeah cheesy very cheesy so when they open in the show every episode opens with water earth fire air which is the order of the elements yes it should go and they mess it up Mm-hmm. In the in the movie for some reason, mm-hmm. but when they say Earth, they have an Earthbender bend Earth. When they mm-hmm. say water, they have a Waterbender bend water. Fire, Firebender bends fire and mm-hmm. air, and then that's how uh, the show opens: mm-hmm. water, earth, fire, air. Well, they open the movie that way, and it looks bad. It looks like something you and I could have filmed mm-hmm. in our dorm room. Yep, and just edited together. Yep, and this is a professional. This is a film. From Hollywood, Nickelodeon Studios dropped bank on this film. We're going to get the budget later. Yeah, I was going to say, their budget's right here. Yeah, I got it's it. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I guess the, the special effects company they went with just couldn't pull it off. Dropped the ball. So, so another thing that I noticed in this, they were, they were not careful with, with some of their mess-ups. Uh, I mentioned I watched this movie twice. Oh, yeah. I've seen it when, I was, when, I, when it first came out, um, and I've seen it in college, so I've technically seen it four or five different times but i watched it last week and i watched it again last night you poor man when i watched it on thursday i watched it i hadn't seen it in like six years so i watched it with the lens of like the wow factor Mm -hmm. if there was one i wanted my initial reaction to things as i was taking notes the second time i watched it i was trying to watch for the kind of the behind the scenes stuff Mm -hmm. the things that they messed up that they missed on all of that stuff one of the things that was a huge miss up at the very beginning when Zuko, when they find Aang, mm-hmm. and this is in the movie, they find Aang, they bring him back to the village. Zuko comes and says, bring out all your elderly. They end up finding Aang. When they find Aang, Zuko demands that he comes with them, and Aang agrees. Sokka wants to defend Aang right there. So he reaches for his, his boomerang. Katara reaches over, touches his arm, and says, Zuko, don't. No. Yes. Yes. Called him the wrong name. And then and they made left the cut? It. Yes. She reaches over and says, Zuko, don't, and he takes his hand off of his boomerang. This is Sokka reaching for his boomerang. His sister, Katara, calls him Zuko. Zuko, don't, and he lets go of his boomerang. There was also a scene during the battle at uh, the Northern Water Tribe where they're doing this pan of all of the the fighting that's going on. Mm -hmm. They get to almost the middle. They're like slightly to the right. I think I know what you're talking about. There's a firebender fighting nobody. Yes, and he's just moving around. Yeah. Yes, I saw there's, that. There's nobody there. I saw that. Like, what? What are you doing? Yeah, it's like they told him, eh, just dance around in the background." Yeah. Or maybe their their extra extra didn't show up. Right? That was uh that was rough. The lemur thing, petting mm-hmm. the lemur was awful. Just the effects did not match the bending. I just right. don't get it. Right. Uh also the I mean thinking about how they originally discovered that Aang was the avatar in mm-hmm. the ship. When Eero's putting those the the candle, yeah. the water, and the rock in front of him, uh-huh. all of those are reacting to him. Right. Why doesn't that happen everywhere else he yes. goes? Yeah, my wife made that point as well. And in the show, the only reason they know he's the Avatar is because he's the only airbender left. Right. That's it. Right. And he's Full the only stop. airbender left because he gets this calling. He's told that his, his destiny is that he... And this is in the animated show. He's told his destiny is the Avatar. Mm-hmm. And everyone in the, the southern air tribe bow down to him. Right. They say, like, they're trying to say, like, you're in charge of us. He goes to bow, and he dips. Mm-hmm. He just takes off. 
Which, that's not how it happened in the show. No! And then the fire tribe comes in and wipes everybody out. Right. So, my biggest frustration with this whole movie, mm-hmm. my absolute biggest frustration, because I, I love the animated series. Yes. It is one of my favorite TV shows I've ever watched. Possibly and one I've, of the greatest animated series of all time. Yeah, and I've watched it multiple times. I watched so it when I was I. a kid on Nickelodeon. I watched it in college, and I've just recently gone through it at home. One of the, the biggest character developments in the entire series of the TV show is when Aang is discovered, he is 12 years old. Yes. As a 12-year-old, you are a child. Yes. There are so many things in this show, in the animated series, of him being a child. Yeah. You see that childlike behavior in him. You gravitate towards that. Yep. Because I, right now, I'm a 25-year-old child. Yeah. When I watched it in 2010, I was a, you know, 15, 16-year-old child. Sure. I connected with that. Yeah. He, in the movie... There's no child No, wonder. not at all. And the way that he, like is trying to deal with his emotions and he's all down on himself. Mm-hmm. That is not a child no. behavior. Now, in the show, you do get, like, his fun side, his child side is the predominant side you see. But as the series progresses, he realizes more and more what being the Avatar means. Yes. Yeah. And that's a big development mm-hmm. as he becomes, you know, he becomes serious and he is sad about mm-hmm. his people being gone. And he is conflicted about running away. And he wants to be a different kind of avatar. Though. Yes, but that doesn't mean he stops being Aang. One of the biggest things in the show, because it's in the credits, is the scene of him when he when they're at, when they go to Ba Sing Se, when they mm-hmm. go to visit Ba Sing Se, there's this big delivery system through the city in, right. in the animated series of a, a giant slide. And he makes this air ball, mm-hmm. and he slides down it. Yep. He plays on it. I would do that if I went inside when a he, giant slide. When he you know? first appears out of the ice, uh, he goes penguin sledding. Mm-hmm. And he jumps in the back of a penguin, and he teaches Katara how to go penguin sledding. Yep. And it's just like, wow, this kid's in the ice. But in the, in the movie, they're like, he's so weak. He, he needs right. to be brought back to the village. Right. And right. it's like, okay. And in the show, he constantly makes those air balls. Yep. And he rides them around. It's yep. a fun thing to do. Yep. It's a kid thing to do. Yeah. And but he, you and never see that at all in the no. movie. And he'll play tricks. Like he'll, he'll splash Katara. Uh, take people's hats. Take people's hats. He'll, he'll, you know, play around with Momo and Appa, mm-hmm. but he won't, not, not in the movie. So. Yeah. This, this is just a train wreck. Um, I, I don't have anything else really for the buzz. I've got some thoughts about um, grading and about the um, production slash is this better or worse than the B do movie. You, but... Do you have any pros about this movie? Um, I have a couple. I would say that one of the pros is the way... There's so many negatives. One negative I didn't even talk about was Fire Lord Ozai is not at all intimidating. No! Uh, in the show, you walk in, and he's sitting on his throne, and there's a giant wall of fire, mm-hmm. like, on his right and his left. Mm-hmm. And it's so intimidating. Mm-hmm. In this one, there's, like, two braziers, and that's it. Right. I just didn't know if they had the production for it or not, or the budget. I don't know. But one of the things I think they did well was, like, when Zhao died. Mm-hmm. I think that that was a really cool way to use that. Yeah. Um I mean, that's probably about it. Like, the, what, what are some things the, you think the they only, did well? The, the, the couple pros that I have written down is one of the pros that I saw in this was just the hype for the movie. Yeah. Like, it was a hugely hyped movie because the animated series was yeah. so successful. But it fell so far. And I think the reason that it's still semi being talked about occasionally is because it's, so it's because it, well that and because it's related to the animated series sure like it, it had that that it could kind of fall back on right because it tried its best to mimic that mm-hmm. um but inside this the the way that they they built appa 
He was mm. cool looking. He was cool. I wish he would have had so much more yeah. screen time. But aside from that, when you're talking about not having the budget for the graphics, the scenery around this movie was gorgeous. The Northern Water Tribe. Okay. It was so cool. That at was. At times. Yes. Because they also have the scene when they first discover Aang, where I don't know, you may have noticed this, they're walking through all these hills, these nice. ice hills, trying to find the seal. They find Aang, and they do this overhead view, and it's... It's like they're on a lake. Yeah, it's it's, it's garbage. But you it's get just, to the you get to the Northern Water Tribe, and it's immediately like beautiful. That's where their money went. It's all made of ice, exactly. Yeah, but that's like where their you money look went. at that, and when you when they do that pan of going from the ship down to the water, up onto the iceberg, and then you see the wall of the Northern Water Tribe. Yeah, my first thought was like, that is awesome. That's the budget. That's so cool. But why couldn't the rest of it be there? right? So I don't know. Um, that was the only, those were the only pros that I had out of this. Yeah, there are very little pros, uh, if any at all, really. And I'd say that you you pretty much nailed them. So um, I do want to talk about the grades. So for those of you listening, you should know our grading system, Aaron. I'm sure you know, but let me remind you: we grade movies as a B plus, a B, or a B minus, or BM. So a B plus means it's so bad it's good. I want all my friends to watch it. Let's crowd into a dorm room with a bunch of guys and watch this, you know, every Friday or once a, once a semester. A B is, eh, I watched it. I probably won't spend any more time on it again in my life, but I'm glad I watched it, so at least I know. And a B minus or BM means this was so bad, I had to stop myself from gouging my eyes out with a dull spoon. Or it's just a big stinky pile of poo-poo. So how would you grade The Last Airbender? We've talked about it. We, we, we've... Beat every dead horse you possibly can. What grade would you give it, Aaron? So, the grade that I just decided for it was a B minus. And why is um, that? I went with a B minus over the BM because there are a couple things that that it has going for it. As far as like me personally, mm-hmm. not not the movie, but me personally, like I couldn't call it like a steaming pile of garbage because I've seen it four or five times. Yeah, but you know the hype didn't meet the expectation. Mm-hmm. I was expecting a more realistic and a better version of the animated series. It did not do that. But because it was based on the animated series, it it has a special place in my heart because of how much I love that animated series. No. You know, it's Just it's watch something the that animated I'm, series. Right, which it, which is why it's the B minus. You yeah. know, it's not something that after this I'm not going to go back and watch it again. I'm going to watch the series. Yeah. And I have that as one of these notes. I will 10 out of 10 times pick the animated series over the movie. Yeah. I don't care if I can see the whole movie in an hour and a mm-hmm. half. I'm going to watch the animated series. Also, the way that it ended. You know, right. it, it ended with this cliffhanger of, let's watch another one. No! no. <laughs> Don't do another one! Well, and, and I think that if they had done a better job on this one, they could have made an enjoyable three-part yeah. series, but they just they dropped the ball so hard. Exactly. So for me, I've got lots of reasons behind this. So when this movie came out, it was so hyped, as you said. I loved the animated series. I was a, um, uh, I think in junior high or high school when they, it finally finished up. What did you say it ran from? Uh, 2000... 2005 to 2008. So from 5th to 8th grade uh, is when the animated series was mm-hmm. on. And I would watch reruns on Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. I was so excited that this movie was coming out. Because we hadn't seen something from it in two years. We something hadn't seen new. something from it for two years. And it was coming out. And all my friends, we were going to go see it. I couldn't go opening night. All my friends saw it. And the next day told me, do not waste your money. It is not worth it. Mm -hmm. So for 10 years, I dodged this film until you said, (laughs) I want to watch The Last Airbender. Because I knew I had done no research on it beforehand. I just knew it was a hot pile of garbage. I'm giving this the, the worst of the worst BMs because I just, 
I don't know how you can live with yourself, M. Night Shyamalan, of taking such a wonderful animated series and absolutely botching it. This had to be the least work that any yeah. anybody had to put into creating a movie. Because you right. already had the script, you already had the, right. the plot, it's already laid you. out for you. Just do it. Yeah. This film was universally panned by critics, audiences, and fans of the original animated series alike upon its release, with many reviewers citing the writing, acting, directing, casting, dialogue, unfaithfulness to source material, visual effects, inconsistencies, editing, characterization, and 3D conversion. This is a quote from Wikipedia. However, James Newton Howard's score received critical acclaim. Uh, the film was so bad, it swept the parody Golden Raspberry Awards in 2010 with five wins, including worst pictures. So if you're not familiar with the Golden Raspberries, they happen the night before the Oscars, and they are designed to lampoon the worst films of that year. And it won... This one's probably still winning. It won worst picture, worst director, worst screenplay... Uh, Jackson Rathbone won Worst Supporting Actor, and they even made a special category, Worst Eye-Gouging Misuse of 3D. I've, I may need to go discover this in 3D. Like, what would no, you do in 3D? No, no, no. I think when they say 3D rendering, I think it means the, the bending. Okay. I don't think it was actually released in 3D. Like, you it don't put on been. glasses and watch it. I don't know. I've never heard about it. But. I mean, they had a couple angles when they were bending that you would, like, I looked at it and was like, that almost looks like they tried to do a 3D. Maybe. But Maybe. did a very poor job of right. that. So, obviously, this thing is so bad. Some people herald it as the worst movie ever made. Which is why it had to be on this podcast, Yes. Jeremiah. So, here's we the deal, though. do it. In my own life, it dethroned Aragon as the worst adapted film. Is that, like, foreshadowing that Aragon being on this now, later on? Now, we might do an episode on Aragon because I, re- I reread the books uh, last year. Loved it. And then tried to watch the Aragon movie and was the worst waste of $4 I've ever spent. <laughs> However, I would rather sit in a straight jacket with my eyes glued open with Aragon on repeat for three years <laughs> than willingly re-watch this film. All right. So one other thing I have to point out for that, though. Sure. How did you watch this? Like, wh- what did you do to obtain The Last Airbender so you could watch it? I-, I watched it on Prime Video. Okay. So normally, for all of these these movies that you've talked about, uh-huh. I can figure out that they're you know the B category movie because I can find them on one streaming service. Sure, this movie is available for free on every streaming service out there. Really? Yes. Hulu, on- Netflix, Prime Video. It's like ninety nine cents to watch it on on YouTube. YouTube. That's because it's so bad. That's <laughs> Everybody so bad. else can agree with us too. Yeah. So I, I just, I, I hate this film. I hate it. And so it gets a BM from me. So let's answer this question, which we already know the answer, but we have to ask it anyways. Is this better or worse than the B movie? So let's look at the data, all right? We've alluded to its budget several times now. So do you know what the budget was for the last Airbender movie, Aaron? $150 million. Okay. Coincidentally, do you know what the budget for the B movie was? It was right around that, wasn't it? $150 million as well. Yeah. Okay. A completely animated film... Which animation uh, is already harder to do a full animated film than a live action. Right, so. right. So the same, I don't care what kind of computer generated effects there. The are. same budget. Now the B movie had a box office of two hundred eighty-seven point six million dollars, which means there was a ninety-one percent increase of profit. So they made their money back and then some. Almost doubled what they put into the film. 
Do you know what the Avatar did in the box office? On opening weekend or just overall? Overall. Overall, it's it's way under budget. What's like what the budget was? What's the box office? What do you have for opening weekend? Opening weekend, this is showing me a, a, right around forty million for opening weekend. Okay, international box office and overall box office totals: three hundred nineteen point seven million dollars. Apparently, overseas loved this movie, Apparently. and because, I don't because, know why. Because he did such a good job bringing in the Asian culture. <laughs> What happened? How did this get such a cult following? And I think you put it out there earlier when you said the only reason it has a special place in your heart is because of the animated series. And I think that's the only reason it did as well as it did in the box. Oh, yes. The only reason people are still watching it, because if they haven't heard of it before, Uh people watch the animated series and it shows up of, you may also like, and it has a movie. And they're like, yeah, I didn't know there was a movie. Let's watch it. So it had a 113% increase. It beat the B-movie in the box office. However, when it comes to the tomato meter uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, the B-movie has a perfect 50%. Critics score, the uh, B-movie has a 53% audience score. What does the Avatar or uh, The Last Airbender have? The Last Airbender, um, the tomato meter is at 5%. 5%. And the audience score is at 30%. 30. It's just, it doesn't and stand that's, up. And that's, for that 30%, that's still with 321,000 people right. rating this. So let me ask you, if you had to give it an audience score, what would you give it? If I had to give it an audience score, oh, it, it would probably be 20 to 25%. I think, if I'm feeling generous, 15, but more likely 10. The, the only reason I would put it a little higher is, you know, the opening credits, it's like, yeah, the Avatar, I'm so excited for the, but like, as it goes on, like... If you were to give me that score right when I started to watch it, and then like every five minutes force me to, you know, give it a new rating, it would drop the entire no. time. There is no redeeming quality about it. So here's my question. Uh, clearly, this is worse than the B-movie, right? Clearly. There's just, even if you take the box office into account alone, it's got one point over the B-movie. But when it comes to critics rating, audience score, and grade from the B-Movie podcast, it just, it does not even come close. I think this is an instance where you have to disregard the amount of money coming into it. Because this is the only movie that that you have discussed on your podcast to this date that has a something to help hype it up. Uh Everything else is a brand new movie. Right. This this has that exciting factor of seeing more. Well, I will say we did the Mario Brothers Okay, and, that's true, that's true. But it wasn't as... It didn't come from a show. That was trying to make a movie a out of a video game. Exactly. So I will say it didn't have the pre It only had the pre-existing games. Mm-hmm. It didn't have like a pre-existing show to go off of. And the Avatar had games too. Some were good, some were, you know... This so movie, good. this actual live movie, has released a video game version of this movie for the Nintendo Wii. I don't know if you knew that or not. Okay. I would rather play that game than watch this movie. <laughs> Maybe. I've never seen the game. You know, I'll, I'll say, seeing the movie, the game cannot be worse. It we may have to We may have worse. to have another uh, we might have Instagram have a, live. A of... special uh, <laughs> video telling of this Avatar game. So we're, we're coming up on an hour and a half here. I just want to end with one question. What do you think this movie was like for an individual having no previous, no prior experience with the animated series. Do you think that the average Joe off the street walking into this film would think, you know, I like fantasy films. I think that would be okay. For example, have you heard of The Dark Tower? I've not. It's a seven book series by Stephen King. Okay. 
Uh, it had Matthew McConaughey and Idris Elba in it. I had never heard of it before, watched the film, thought to myself, this is an okay fantasy film. I got on Reddit and posted that in the Dark Tower subreddit and got raked over the coals. Someone asked me if I liked the Holocaust <laughs> oh, man. Uh, as well. Wow. And so I thought that was extreme, but then I read the books and realized, yeah, that movie was awful. Yeah. But I'm wondering, to the average person who likes fantasy, sci-fi, adventure, do you think they would have liked it, or do you think it still would have been bad? I still think this would have been bad, simply because there is zero character development. The only reason we know who characters are and what they're supposed to do is because mm -hmm. we've seen the, the animated right. series. There's no explanation on what bending is. There's mm -hmm. no explanation on who the characters are and why they're doing what they're doing. True. It just... It shows, it just happens. It just shows up. It's like, it's something that in order to even know what's going on within the first 15 minutes of the film, mm -hmm. you have to have that background story. Right. And it, they tried to do that with that scrolling opening credits, like a Star Wars type movie. It just didn't. But work. it didn't help at all. Well, and I think that if you don't know about it, their shoehorned dialogue will tell you. Yeah. So like, they explain so many things just half-heartedly. Mm -hmm. So Sokka was like, we got to go to the Northern Water Tribe. It's ruled by Princess Yue, who took power when her father died. And I'm like, oh, oh okay, well, couldn't, couldn't you have come up into the Northern Water Tribe and then said, Princess Yue, you know, humble ruler of the Northern Water Tribe, we bring you uh, the Avatar, Ang. Right. Wouldn't that have shown you much more than just Sokka saying... We gotta go to the Northern Water Tribe. It's ruled by Princess Yue since her father died. Exactly. I don't get why yeah. they, they explained things they, so half-heartedly. Yeah, I don't know. So I think that to the average person, I don't think this movie even holds up at all. I, and I, I just... think I think this is also one of the one of the instances where if you were to watch this film before seeing the animated series, you mm -hmm. wouldn't even give the animated series a chance. No, no. It doesn't say, matter how much you've heard yeah. about it. There's, I, I wouldn't try it. Which is an incredible, incredible achievement. Yeah. Because the animated series is just so good. If you haven't seen the animated series, please go watch yes, it. Yes, I'm it is begging incredible. you. Before you listen to another minute of this podcast, stop it, go home, watch Avatar The Last Airbender. I think it's coming to Netflix. I believe so. The animated if series. You have, if and, you have Sling TV, yes. you can go back and watch it on the on-demand. Yes. That and all of Legend of Korra. Oh, that's cool. So, Well, Netflix is coming out with the live-action version. I'm looking forward to it because I hope they They're can... coming out with the animated version. No, no, no. Right? They're coming out with a live-action version. Okay. They're going to put the animated on. Okay. But then Netflix Studios are making a live-action version of the series. Okay. So I'm hoping, against all hope, that it remedies all of these terrible, terrible choices and decisions that M. Night Shyamalan made. Uh, and hopefully we get that. Hopefully we don't have another podcast episode doing the Netflix series. I don't think we will. I don't think we'll do any shows. But I, I just hope that, I mean... How can you botch it if you right. have it already written? Right. And you already know what terrible looks like. Exactly. You just got to meet somewhere in the middle, and it'll so, be good. Yeah. Overall, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful for the future. Yeah. So, Aaron, But seriously, if you have not seen it, go watch it. Yes, The animated it. series. It's incredible. That is our New Year's resolution wish for you. <laughs> so do that. Aaron, thank you so much for being on the B-Movie Podcast. Is there anything you'd like to plug before we go? Uh... Give us some feedback on things. Yeah, give let us, us know. Feedback. Let us know movies that that you guys think yeah. should be reviewed. If you want to write into the show, there's many ways you can do so. So you can contact us at the bmoviepodcast at gmail.com. That's the letter B. You can also tweet at us at the bmoviepod. Again, the letter B. It's the bmoviepodcast on Instagram as well as Facebook. 
Uh, we are very active. We're trying to get on as many platforms as possible. Again, we're trying to get as many followers and likes and, and people uh, committed as possible. So please share. I think we might even do a special giveaway for hitting 222 um, followers on Facebook. Because B is the second letter of the alphabet. So that means 222 would be all Bs. And I think we're going to do a giveaway of a copy of the B movie. All right. So I might do a signed, autograph a copy. signed copy of the B movie from the B movie podcast. There we so, go. Uh, pay attention to that. Go like uh, our Facebook page uh, to be entered into that drawing. I'll announce it on Facebook as well. And join us for our next episode where we do Flash Gordon, Savior of the Universe. Thank you for listening and tuning in. Hope you'll listen to us again soon. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>